Welcome to the Career Happiness Podcast. My name is Soma Ghosh. I am the founder of a business called the Career Happiness Mentor. And within this podcast, we explore themes around career happiness, confidence, well-being, and so much more. Not only do I do one-to-one personalized episodes to really, really support you as a listener, but you will have the chance to listen to really, really amazing guests from all corners of not just world, but different industries. It's really, really important that you are not only happy in your career, but you make time to progress in a way that feels right for you. So if you want to have more energy in your career, change your career, find out more about how to potentially start a business or even help your teenager with careers advice, this is the podcast for you. Thanks so much. Today, we've got the lovely Sinead with us. Hey, Sinead, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you so much. Delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited that you're here. And um, I really appreciate that you you know, reached out and, and wanted to be a guest because I'm very excited about the work you do. It's kind of similar to what I do, but I would say that there is a, a, a different edge and I'm really keen to kind of talk about that a little bit more today I mean can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do at Generation Woman oh I that's what I'm here for I'm excited to share it so my name is Sinead Sharkey Steenson uh, a bit of a mouthful but I love my uh, family name of Sharkey and I wasn't giving that away for anyone <laughs> And I'm a career and leadership coach at, uh, and founder of Generation Women. And so what that means is I help women to level up in their careers. So I'm really passionate about equality. I'm passionate about seeing women get ahead. Like I think over the past few years, especially, we've seen the impact that women leaders can have and we just need more of them (laughs) it's as simple as that and I love seeing women be recognized rewarded and valued for what they do because I don't think in society we're set up to really do that like we don't recognize mums and the amazing things they do we certainly don't recognize women as much in the workplace it is it isn't a level playing field so I love helping women navigate that so that they can feel confident about what they do. They're happy to talk about it and sell themselves in a way that doesn't feel dirty and icky and um, and then get paid properly and work at the level that they actually deserve so that we can all have better workplaces and businesses and uh, and we all benefit. Yeah, and I definitely think all of those things are really, really important, Sinead, and I see that through my work as well, and what you were saying about mums, I work with a lot of mums, I'm not a mum myself, but I know full well the kind of struggles, especially now in our current times that we're going through. I mean, one of the things that I thought I would quickly ask you now, you mentioned there a lot about equality, and I know often equality and diversity is thrown around a lot. (laughs) 
as these two like key words but what do you think we could be doing not just to help women be paid more or paid better but what do you think we can be doing to have more conversations like this because for me I find that when I broach these topics you either have the camp of somebody who is very open to having these discussions or very much like oh no what are you talking about we've already advanced so much you know what more can we do what do you think are some of the key things we could be doing to actually help the women out there to realize their own potential yeah and I, I hear what you mean about it being challenging and social media have had benefits in this mm. area but it's also caused this real division in how we talk and you know you're we're either with you or we're against you and of course what where the real truth lies is in the middle ground and the helping people come together um but there's the simple things are to just open your eyes and recognize that um you know in your organization are there less women are there less women at, at different levels because the reality is, if you look in professional fields, for instance, you know, there's slightly more women go to university than men. Uh, there's more women going into the workplace at that qualified level. And yet it's at the first or second rung of the career ladder where they get left behind. And when that happens, then the pipeline just gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you go further up. And so you get less women at the top. And we have to recognize the value that diverse voices, and I'm passionate about diversity in all its forms. And I know that um, if you're a, a woman of color, if you're a woman with a disability, if you're a woman who's neurodivergent or uh, LGBTQ or any of these um, things, then you are at an even greater disadvantage. Uh, and and so if we look around us and don't see that diversity, then there is a problem. And some of it starts with education, where we don't we just don't have enough girls being encouraged into STEM areas and, and that kind of thing. But a lot of it happens in the workplace where the opportunities aren't made available women are not supported enough to take those first steps up in their career mm -hmm. and then um you know i don't want to talk about it as a race but you know the whole the race is lost because you've just not enough women at the starting line to begin mm -hmm. with so uh so it's just not gonna work yeah no 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 and it's interesting what you're saying about stem because a lot of the work I do, I also work with parents um, of teenagers as a careers advisor. And some of the things I'm seeing is more young people want to go into STEM. And that's being heavily encouraged with a lot of organisations. But it's all about having those conversations. <laughs> Janine, you know, if you don't have the conversation of helping somebody, if they're interested in science and technology, to <clears throat> actually beat some of those stereotypes that we have, then how are we going to actually do anything about it right we're not yeah. going to be able to change oh absolutely things. and it, it it's it is conversations it's it's asking people mm. what women what are you really interested in what do you want to achieve helping them see mm. their strengths supporting them yeah. in that 
um, and and having role models like I was I spoke at a really great event a couple of weeks ago and it was all women entrepreneurs and I don't actually work with entrepreneurs but I'm very passionate about women owning their own businesses as well and I run a network for that yeah. and it's it's so true that it's very hard to be what you can't see you know I had ne- I didn't know any women that owned a business um, really before I started mine and it was a mental block for me that maybe this is something I can't do but if you see that around you then it, it becomes a well why can't I you know mm. Soma does it uh, Sharon down the street does it what whoever it is then it becomes oh actually well you know that's a, a distinct possibility so I think it's it's helping uh, if you're in a business or if you're in an educational setting helping people see that these are all of the possibilities and it equally works for men uh, seeing the potential in what's previously been seen you know like in caring roles and and that kind of thing there's a my brother's a nurse and he would get uh, the opposite discrimination yeah. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so it when we have these conversations and when we make this progress it mm. does benefit everybody and it's yeah. it's keeping that in mind yeah and helping people see that yeah thank you for sharing that that's really really interesting and you're right it's like you've got the reverse with certain caring roles or certain roles which are associated more you know being female-led um one thing that I really wanted to get into with you because when I was researching and finding out more more about you I really liked um, hearing about your own kind of personal journey before you kind of started your business I mean what did you kind of do before your business and what was it that led you to starting your own business was it a specific event or something that happened to you over a period of time I'd be interested to know oh thank you it is definitely a combination of things and I think with hindsight you look back and you see the threads that that come together to to weave the the next part and certainly there's a few things in my past that have helped me become very clear of what's important to me and what I want to do and help others with and so being labelled shy as a child was a, a thing that really held me back um, and reared its head later on in my um, in, in my career when I felt like uh, I was in the wrong place and that lack of confidence came back. Um, so yeah, being labelled shy became something that kept me quieter than I really probably wanted to be and could have been. Um, later on, there was, like, my dad had been very influential in what he wanted me to do and he had quite a clear path for me and he wanted me to be an international lawyer. But at the age of 15, um, when I was 15, he died of a massive heart attack. And, and so obviously there was dealing with the grief of that but also no plan or path forward I I realized that that wasn't my path that was his path and and so I studied psychology I decided to go to university because that was what I, I had a real interest and passion for 
I had no clue what I would do next. And so my career from there has really led me to here because I, I tried HR and this was in the old days when it, it was very old school and not, not really a fun place to work. You just said that <laughs> Um, and then I went into tech and it was it what I just felt like my brain didn't work in that way and even though I carved out a pretty successful career in that it, it just I felt like a square peg in a round hole mm. and uh, and so I, I moved into business improvement I was working in a big global corporate and luckily there were lots of opportunities and and so I went for them and tried different things and it was, but I still never felt happy, never felt confident, never felt like this is the right place for me. And it was only when I was completely miserable that it made me dig deep and go, well, what is for me? Because I had this recognition of two things. One, I can't carry on like this forever. I have a long time to work and be this unhappy. And the second thing was, nobody can fix it for me nobody's coming <laughs> to, to make it all better this is my life i have to sort it out and i think they were that was a really pivotal moment for me to dig deep and work out well what is it that i'm great at doing and what am i passionate about and how do i think i can impact the world so i don't know if you've come across the ikigai uh, concept the japanese concept yes, yes. um and and so i i didn't know about that but i essentially worked out that that's what i needed to to figure out to find my path and when i did that i knew what to ask for and how to to make opportunities happen and it was interesting because i moved into uh, cultural transformation so trying to engage people with what they did and get them excited about it and that for the first time I was excited about something and even though I had no idea what I was doing and I was making it up as I went along like I have been for the past seven years of my career for the first time I cared about it and my confidence just kicked in because I it was just pure passion a purpose and drive and a feeling like somewhere deep down I knew I could do this and I'd make it work so I'd do all the learning and everything I needed to make it happen and so that feeling and that connection and helping women have that confidence that's really what drives me because I see so many women um, not feel like that and, and not value themselves and not understand their purpose and the impact they can have and and so that was kind of the seeds of generation women and it was when I had children so I'd, I had about a, a eight, 16 year career in corporate at that stage I had my daughters and they the scales fell off in terms of the the challenges for women I'd just been accepting a lot of nonsense if I think about it and that it all just came together as this, I know what I want to do next. <laughs> and uh, a generation of women was born. And I've absolutely loved working with women to, to help them achieve. 
Well, I really loved hearing that. And, and, and you know, when you were talking about you found something that you care about, that, that, that I see as a pattern when I'm having conversations with other women, but also it resonates with my own story of it took me a while to fully, fully understand what, what I care about. And also, you know, thank you so much for also sharing about um, the grief you had, because I lost my dad at a, a very young age as well, when I was six. He had oh. as well. And I think that also, um, I was reading an article, Sinead, I need to do a bit more research myself, around when people lose a parent before the age of 18, it actually drives and motivates them to do more (laughs) things. Not to say that other children aren't driven, but it inspires and sometimes drives and motivates them because you grow up very quickly. Yeah, you grow up quickly. And I think there's this, a certain self-sufficiency comes from Mm -hmm. that and... Yeah. And it makes you um, you realize that life. I don't. It's not that life isn't easy, but it's not all about you. And and mm. you know, there's an end to life. Yeah, I think you can yeah, you could yeah. probably live you a lot of your life with your parents not thinking about death, and not that we're thinking about <laughs> all the time. But there there is something. It maybe creates a bit more of an urgency and a push. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. urgency and a push and also that thing about not taking things for granted yeah it allows you to maybe but when you're talking about the care and the confidence and the things that you see with women I see that a lot I mean one of the things that I think would be helpful to talk about because I know um you speak you speak about this a lot anyway is that thing of being seen because I see this a lot with women but it just keeps on coming up. I mean, what tips and advice would you give to anyone listening today who is struggling to be seen at work, especially if they want a promotion or pay rise? Yeah, well, this is my absolute passion <laughs> topic. I have a few passion topics, but this probably is number one. Um, the first thing I've, I've learned as I've been working with, I've worked with a lot of women now um, and help them be seen and have fantastic results like I, I worked with a, a woman recently and she said um, I've helped for, I helped to break the glass ceiling in her mind um, and to, so that she now sees that there's so much possibility and that she can achieve so much but what she needed to do and what what we did is to understand what value she brings and what impact she has and her strengths and that sounds like such an obvious thing but when we think about those things to be seen you have to see in yourself what 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 the potential is and what um impact you can have and it's so often the things that you don't see are the most valuable it's the things that you take for granted so I, I always ask women to think about what are the things that you find really easy? What's the stuff that you just do without thinking? And notice how big a difference that makes in the workplace and recognize that those are your superpowers. They're not easy because they're not valuable. Notice who else is doing that. Probably nobody or very few people. And, and that's where you are valuable. That's what makes you you. Um, and when you can start to see those things, 
that's what makes a difference so i encourage people to to build their self-awareness and pay attention to ask for feedback from others so ask it but don't ask for feedback because you'll get rubbish answers ask people, <laughs> how do you see me making a difference what do you think i do that adds value and um and you'll get some some really interesting answers and the other thing you can do i encourage people to journal every day about gratitude but also to reflect on the day and to ask yourself what would not have happened if i wasn't there so <laughs> i know it's a bit of a weird question but like if you weren't there for the day what wouldn't have happened today mm. and it helps you focus in and recognize well i included such and such a person or i asked that really important question that shifted the decision and you start to value it and when you can value that and recognize it then it becomes easier to talk about and that's the key so you've got to value it and then you've got to start talking about it to other people so bringing it up in meetings um, like when a project needs done I will be great at that because x y and z you know these are my skills this is what I bring to it or had always going to your team meetings your one-to-ones those things with the here's the impact I'm having here's the results I'm getting so we've just got to get a lot more comfortable about recognizing it and then talking about it the other thing with promotions is don't expect your manager to mind read and also don't expect them to notice <laughs> how good you are because most people are very busy and are not attuned so ask for the promotion and highlight what your impact has been the strengths that you've got and when you do that regularly uh, especially the highlighting bit then uh, they start to become more attuned to it and see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because I think often that those conversations can be tricky or women are just hesitant to have those conversations in the workplace. And I like what you said about the busyness because, yeah, we are all busy, but it's all about just sitting down and being open and, and, and asking because I think most people are not just hesitant because maybe they're thinking they're blowing their own trumpet, but they maybe they're hesitant because they think, oh, you know, do we have enough budget? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah, yeah those that's ones. not your problem. It's not your problem. It's about really, really showing up and being confident enough yeah. to ask. I mean, with the with the women that you're working with, then do you see common like? reasons for why they don't ask apart from some of the things that we've discussed some things like oh you know I'm I'm not gonna ask because of this or, or that what what comes up yeah well a, a lot of it is getting in their own way so they talk themselves out of it yeah. so they can think of a hundred reasons why they shouldn't get it whereas they should be thinking about all the reasons why they should get it <laughs> and so a lot of confidence is about shifting focus so shifting your focus from what you think you're missing or why you don't think you should get something to what i bring and why i i know i deserve it and and part of it is not knowing the how to ask 
so like if you treat it like you're asking for anything else in the business so if you need resource for a system or a new person or whatever else whatever it is you build a business case you um set it up as a way to convince the person to to go to um deliver what you need well why not treat this in the same way so it's as simple as you know here's what i want here's all the reasons why it makes sense and don't just make them about you so demonstrate why you deserve it but also demonstrate the benefit and impact it's going to have for the business and when you can do that and show vision for the business and passion for helping the business progress then you start to create a really compelling um reason and and uh, approach to to convincing them and when people do that the managers listen a lot more mm-hmm. I really like that that's really 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 interesting thank you for sharing that and I think a lot of people will find that helpful because even though we are going through certain times now people are looking for those promotion and pay rises more yeah. than other um one of the things that I really really loved when I was looking on your website is you, you wrote a particular blog about menopause um, on your website and I found this very enlightening um, because there is so much like media and press about menopause now but for me I find it more helpful when I'm seeing first-hand accounts or people actually writing about their own experiences and I've had a couple of clients come to me who've been in that perimenopausal or menopausal um, state and they've said that you know so much I'm lacking like support at work I'm not having any support I mean, what would you advise to any of the listeners who are going through this uh, to do about this if, if this happens to them? It's quite common, right? Yeah, it is common. So, yeah, I I started perimenopause, I think, in my early 40s. So I had, uh, I just had young children and um, didn't realise that I thought it was all symptoms of being a mum <laughs> as opposed to perimenopause and I've had a really challenging year this year particularly with it um, and and so I decided to speak out about it I know it's like the thing everybody's talking about but I think it is good to share stories like what's great is like Sabrina McCall and people have blown the conversation open and we started by talking about conversations and that's so important to remove stigma to remove shame to yeah. um to seek solutions so what what can you do well the first thing would be to go and see does your company have a menopause policy mm. and um and you know get clued in to what included in that and if they don't have one then um speak to hr about you know maybe it's time what we think about this because sometimes it just takes somebody to bring it up and i know it can be challenging to do that especially if you work in a very male dominated place but think about all the other women that you're going to benefit by having that conversation. And what you can do is maybe reach out to some of the women in your business and say, 
you don't even have to talk about your own journey just say i've been really conscious with all this davina mccall documentaries and the rest of it that we're not doing anything about menopause here and mm. um, so how do you feel about us getting together and going to speak to HR about it? And you may feel more confident in numbers to do it. But the reality is, is that this is a medical condition yeah. that impacts uh, just over 50% of, uh, of the population. And, um, and we deserve support to, to help. Um, if you're in a union, unions are very clued in and are ahead of the curve on this. So uh, absolutely approach your union about it and ask for their support. And if you've got a good relationship with your manager, have a conversation about it. Let them know the challenges that you're having. Because the big thing about menopause is everybody's experience is different and so what's going to help one person may not be the right thing for the next and so while policies are great um it is about getting that support and understanding and then reach out to your peers to your friends to your family um and get external support too because that's gonna help you feel a lot better and just know that you are not on your own. You're not the only person that's struggling. You're not the only person that's going to feel like this. And uh, that in itself can make a big difference as well. Really, really good tips and advice there, um, Sinead. I think um, <clears throat> when I'm talking about it, it's that isolation in particular, not on your own, you know, that I think comes up a lot because... It's, it's not just this embarrassment sometimes, but it's more the isolation of people yeah. thinking, oh, it's just me because everyone else is younger. But there are so many stories I'm hearing from women, and I'm I'm going to be 40 next year, but I'm hearing women, you know, who even before they're 40 are going through the perimenopause. Yeah. And I think those are also very important stories to share. Oh, absolutely. And we need to know that perimenopause is likely to start at 38. Yes. So this myth we have, um, and actually it can start at any point after puberty. <laughs> so, so recognizing that that's a reality, because like, I think we all thought it was something in your 50s and um, not something I would need to think about and, uh, and then until it kicks your backside and then <laughs> something you do. But one thing I've found really helpful, actually, is Facebook groups. So you just Google Facebook groups with perimenopause or menopause, and you will find groups of women who, you know, you can share what you're going through. You can read about other people's symptoms. You can find out what's helping them. You can work out what to go and ask the doctor. Hmm. And and that's the big thing. It's it's like anything don't sit on your own with it you you do not need to be alone there's lots of people out there that can help you it just takes a little step 
to go and do it and so that was how I started was looking at Facebook groups and then discovered all kinds of symptoms I had were perimenopause related like allergies and itchy skin and achy joints um, I thought I needed a hip replacement. I'm like, I was like, I'm 42. <laughs> I need a hip replacement. It turns out it was perimenopause. And so all of this helps you really normalize it and takes the fear away and the isolation away and, and makes you feel braver then. And you can ask in those groups, you know, what can I ask for at work? What have you done? And what's really helped you? and and you get real responses then and real experiences yeah yeah no thank you it's very important to highlight some of those myths very important and to keep on educating ourselves like um when you spoke about menopause the other thing i saw a lot like a theme on your website that really resonated with me personally as a careers advisor and with my own business is is, is talking about mental health you know you spoke a lot about the impact of mental health on your career themes like stress and burnout um, you know I often see these themes come up with my clients too and what can we as individuals and those who are maybe managing teams do to keep on talking about mental health and supporting their staff with checking in with their mental health at work yeah it, it's actually so much so about a drum I started banging probably about 12 or 13 years ago oh, wow. so maybe okay. even longer ago so mm -hmm. I was working in a big corporate and I was working with teams I was coaching leaders um, to help their teams to perform and I didn't I don't think I knew the term burnout then but I could see that mm -hmm. everyone was under a lot of pressure and under a lot of stress and I just kept thinking these people are at breaking point we need to do something about this so remember i start i introduced something back then um they would have had a daily stand-up meeting and i introduced the pre a pressure gauge and a way to start talking having conversations about how you were feeling uh, so you could do a check-in and it, you just need to give a number um and your manager could then say do you want to talk about it if the number was high in the group or have a one-to-one -one afterwards and talk about like whether things are going on at home if you're just feeling overworked and overloaded and how can we as a team support you and of course not everybody's going to be comfortable to talk about it or uh, or have it in an open forum but again it's that power of conversation mm -hmm. if it becomes the norm that you talk about how you're feeling and what pressure and stress feels like and and when you feel overwhelmed and overloaded like if that's the norm then it becomes easy for people to speak up and the key then is but you have to be able to support them like it's no good talking about it and then not doing anything so how can we as a team jump in and and maybe to ease the load or can we reprioritize your workload or is there something that maybe isn't right or the right fit for you whatever it is so it's the conversation plus action helps people then uh, really move 
move on. And thankfully it is, like I think we're living in a really exciting time in the workplace where so many things are just becoming open to talk about. I feel like we've been walking around very repressed <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Very pressured and just get on with it and suck it up and all the rest. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not good enough. You know, we, your health is your wealth. It's the, the number one thing you have. And so we have a responsibility to look after it ourselves, but employers have a responsibility to look after it too. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. Thank you for sharing that um, with us because it is important to keep on tuning into it. And I'm glad you've been, you know, like talking about it because um, it's often forgotten. Yeah. Kind of, uh, la- the last question that I want to ask you is, whilst obviously we're recording this, I've mentioned it a couple of times during the episode, you know, we're going through this recession, we're facing a lot of uncertainty. And although we faced a recession before, and, you know, We've, we've tackled it this one you know there's lots going on here and people are concerned about their career they're concerned about their future what tips and advice would you give to those people who are worried about the impact of this on their careers um yeah and I'd, i kind of want to refer back to the last last question in this as well because something i see now particularly is how much press pressure and stress people are under without realizing it and so then this being i work with a lot of leaders um who they're so busy doing they don't recognize just how much pressure they're under and so one of the big things i really help them do is build strategies to deal with that and then on top of the the last few years that we've had you throw a recession into the mix and it it just feels like a lot and i think it can trigger and it does this for everybody but i think women are trained to be more risk averse than men are so if you think as kids like boys are really encouraged to to uh, play rough and 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 do things differently and take risks and and that's just part and parcel of who they are whereas with girls we're encouraged to be perfect and to do things right and so something like a recession can can make you contract and think right I have to I have to do everything right and just be by the book and don't you know don't put my head above the parapet or anything like that and actually that's that's going to really hurt you so you got to think a bit rationally about this. Hmm. Most people are still going to have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like all businesses do not fold in a recession. It's like a few get are impacted, and and so to to have that dose of reality, hmm. I would say start watching the news <laughs> because it's yes. just all doom and gloom. Like I'm not saying become detached from reality. But stop getting it slapped in your face every five minutes because that becomes hard to bear. Um, be okay with taking risks because lots of good stuff happens in recessions. So companies have to be more creative. The um, lots of new companies are born in this kind of environment because they see problems to solve, and and so to just recognise that. 
And what I notice people do is they jump to the worst possible scenario. Like, and it doesn't happen that, you know, you make one decision generally and the whole of the your life falls apart. It's it's about a series of things and that you still have control over what happens. So if a job doesn't work out, you're not just going to lie down and go, well, that's the end of that then. You mm. go, right, well, how do I go and get another one? Yeah. <laughs> and you go and do it. <laughs> so... Um, remembering that you have control here you can make things happen you're going to be valuable in a company lots of companies are going to thrive and survive this whole thing and and so it doesn't mean we have to hunker down and uh, forget our careers you're still entitled to pay rises you're still entitled to make job changes and actually some of the best opportunities can come from redundancies like I, I can't think of any example of a person whose role has been redundant, made redundant. Certainly that I've come across, uh, where they haven't, uh, in time, turned that into an opportunity for something great. And in fact, one of my uh, most successful clients came to me um, after her role had been made redundant, and she was in. Uh, the only job she was able to get at that point it was in a recession was a 12-month temporary contract hmm. and so we applied all of the great career stuff of building your brand and relationships and being visible in that context and she became a director in that company within that 12 months so instead of playing it safe for being or she played it big and she got a phenomenal result and now she's practically running the world <laughs> wow, i love that that's a that's an amazing example and it kind of reminds me of you know when you mentioned redundancy i think you know i, I ended up creating my business two years within my redundancy because you learn you learn a lot you have a lot of up and ups and downs and yeah. it teaches you that resilience that you need to just keep on pushing back absolutely and recognizing that everything will pass nothing mm. is permanent Definitely. and so i'm not saying i don't live in a rose tinted world where everything mm. is great we all have good days and bad days we all have things but it's how you deal with it and you know that resilience is you you keep going you look for a, another approach another opportunity you keep talking to people and building those relationships you keep showing up and things do work out yeah no, I, re I really really love that thank you so much for sharing that and thank you so much for being an awesome guest on this podcast where can people connect you how can they find you um so my favorite place to connect is LinkedIn. So I'm Sinead Sharkey-Steenson on LinkedIn and my business page is Generation Women. And my website is genwomen.global. So you can uh, check me out there. And I'm always up for a connection, a chat and uh, to see how I can help. Awesome, awesome. I will put all of those in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today brilliant thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute joy thank you so much for listening to the career happiness podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it on social media 
or with somebody you know, it will make a significant difference to. And remember, if you haven't already, please take some time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much.